welcome on board. Welcome to Scotland. Um, who's the first time to come to Scotland? Who's the first time? Ooh. Welcome everybody. We have a few people from the Netherlands, some from France. Any other European country? London. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> so uh, welcome again. And uh, I will be trying to be quite short and brief. My job tonight is actually to introduce you to the topic, to introduce you to what we wanted to achieve from this conference. So I hope you are still awake. If you feel you're falling asleep, just put up your hand and let me know. I can see that there was like five or six people who came with you who are missing. Are they coming? Okay. So uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Michael and I am going to start with a question. Why this title? Why the title of the conference, Bridging the Gap? I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible. One day, the Lord Jesus spoke to the multitudes of his disciples and said, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Interesting. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. Wow. Imagine if Abuna Mark says to you, whatever Michael says to you, that observe and do. What more witness do I need that I am re- preaching the right preach? That I'm doing the right thing? Isn't it amazing? This is the Lord Jesus himself saying, the scribes and the Pharisees, whatever they tell you, that observe and do. Making sense? Does anybody know the next verse? But do not do according to the works. For they say and do not do. Is there a gap? Massive gap. That's a massive gap. It abolishes every glory in the first sentence. So let's again imagine Abuna says to you, whatever Michael says to you, this is amazing, just follow that. But never do anything from what he does. What does that tell you about me? What does it say about me? Good thing or bad thing? Awful! No matter what teaching I teach, there's a big gap. It came as a surprise to me when I was reading. What? But do not do according to their deeds? Hence, it's our question in this conference. Is there actually a gap between what we believe in and the way we lead our lives? The question is, is there a gap between my belief and my behavior. Do I behave in the same way as I believe? That's our question. That's the gap that we meant in this conference. And we do our best to cover as much as possible. Is it making sense? Okay, nods? Alright. So, is there a gap in our lives? Put up your hand if you think, well you know what? I think I have this gap. Put up your hand. Some yes, some wishy-washy still thinking. Okay, let's go more. What is that guy doing? Is there a gap? He's the first one to tell his patients, don't smoke. And he's smoking. His behavior doesn't really reflect what he believes in. By the way, the number of doctors who smoke fell down from the 70s. It was 25%, now it's about 5% in the UK, so it's not too bad. So give us an example of these gaps so I can actually see, do I actually have a gap like these scribes and Pharisees or not? Can you give us some examples? Oh, I'll give you. First one, I believe in God's love. 
But a lot of times I behave in a way that I that reflects that I don't think he cares about me. A lot of times my thinking and behavior reflects that I don't think he actually cares that much. What else? I believe the cross was for me. How many times do we behave in a way that reflects that we think God is against us rather than for us? Is it not a lot? So we all believe, if I ask you, who believes that the cross is for me? Oh yes, of course it was for me. A lot of the time, my behavior reflects that I think God is against me. And trying to find faults in me. Not on my side. I believe we are one body. Many times, I'm sure you agree, we behaved in a way that is extremely individualistic. We all live like individuals and we don't want to merge with the body. We don't want to mix with the body. Isn't that a gap? The way we believe is different from the way we, we behave? Who agrees? Who agrees with me? More examples? Another one. I believe that God is in full control. Do we not behave at times in a way that we think, you know what, it's the circumstances. It's bad luck. It's people who are in control. I would like to be in control. So how can I believe that God is in full control and I'm still panicking and worrying a lot about who is controlling? Kind of thing. Do you agree? Gap or no gap? Half of you are asleep already. Gap or no gap? Gap. By the way, in our psychotherapy world, having anything between you and the audience acts like a barrier. So I'm not impressed with this, but uh, it, makes, it makes me feel, well, there's something here. Yeah, it's too formal. I'm not sure I can. Can I? Oh, I feel comfortable. Take it. I feel more comfortable now. So I believe that my value is, is the blood of Christ. How many times we sold ourselves very cheap for a lust, for a hug, for a kiss, for a, for a word of affirmation, for a word of encouragement. We sold ourselves very cheap. Yet we still believe that our value is the blood. Isn't that a gap? Why believe that without God I can't bear fruit? How many times we've been sowing and sowing with our own hands and obviously reaping nothing, but we still do it. Although my belief says, I can't bear fruit without Christ. I believe in God's power and authority. But how many times did I actually use this power in my battles? So my behavior in my spiritual battles is use your own work, use your own mental games to overcome the thoughts of evil. This is my behavior. Does that reflect that I believe in God's power? Gap or no gap? Now I wake up. Gap or no gap? Gap. And last one. I believe in God's glory. But how many times do do you and I included, how many times do we seek the glory of men? How many times we actually spend everything just to get some admiration from people? Making sense? Shall we move on? Alright. I believe that Jesus is the life, yet I have lots of other things that I think can give me life. I'll tell you another story to show you the gap and how it exists. 
who knows who these people are? Can you have a guess? Anyone? Old Testament? David and? David and Nathan. Who knows the story? I'll tell you the story briefly. After David had sinned and committed adultery, the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to talk to him. If you don't know the story, I think it's fascinating. Nathan went to, to David, the king, the king, imagine, and said to him, King, there are two people in the city. One is extremely rich. He has everything. He has all the lambs on the earth. He has lots of sheep. He has everything. And another man who is very, very poor, but he has only one lamb. He looked after that lamb as if it was his daughter. And he loves it to pieces. And it's the, the only thing he has. And that rich man had a traveler who just knocked on his door and he wanted to sort of offer him a meal. So that rich man left all his sheep, all his possessions, and went to the poor man's lamb, got it, slaughtered it, made it like lovely food, probably on soup, and offered it to the traveler. Then David the king jumped off his chair in anger. The Bible says, the Bible says emotionally aroused. He was very angry and he said to Nathan, he shall die. This man should die. And after his death, the, he should have fourfold of the lamb and other things as well. This is absolutely unfair. What did Nathan say? You are the man. You are the man. Isn't that a gap? David's belief system, David's principle, is this is extremely unfair. Yet his behavior was, it's okay, I've done it. And he couldn't see that he was talking about him. Is that making sense? So our, our acts do not match our behaviors. Like, like our principles, like David. I love this story. It's fascinating. Because it also shows that it's a blind spot. David didn't know. He couldn't see it. Although Nathan was telling him about the story and showing him the gap. But he couldn't see. They had such a massive gap. What did it lead to in David's life? What did the Lord say through Nathan? The sword will not leave your house forever. What a destruction. Does that make sense to you? Any questions so far? Can you see how we sometimes have big gaps between our principles in life and the way we live? I'm not going to tell you lots of stories, but we have contemporary stories. We've all seen... I shouldn't say that. We've all seen the, the um, claim scandal. All the MPs know our principles are so high, but then they were claiming money illegally. There's a gap. It's common. Shall we move on? So is it really that bad? We've seen how in David's life, the presence of such a gap led to destruction in his family. But is it really that bad? I'll tell you another story. From Mark 6, 20, 22. Herod, the king, it says here in Mark 6, he feared John the Baptist. He knew this guy was holy. And he knew that this guy was just. And when he heard him, he heard him gladly. But, behold, two verses after this verse, the Bible says that when Herodias' daughter, the dancer, came and danced, she also pleased Herod. Can you see a gap here? 
He's pleased in principle. He knows. Says he knows that John is a holy man. He is just. What he says is right. That's a knowledge. But when it came to dancing and lust, it pleased him. Put up your hand if you think there is a gap. Quite a few. Not everybody. Is there a gap between what he believed and his principles and how he behaved? What did it lead to? Because the question is, is it really that bad? What did he do? He murdered John the Baptist. He listened to the dancer. He murdered the voice of God. That's what will happen in our life. If we have such a massive gap, we will murder, we will kill the voice of God. We will kill the innocent. That's what it leads to. And if I'm not living the way I believe, which belief system am I following? How many are there? How many belief systems exist? More than two? Only two. If you don't follow the gospel, the word of God, the belief system that comes from that, the alternative is the devil. Have I lost anybody? Following? Moving on? Is it really bad having gaps? The Lord mentioned eight woes in, in Matthew 23 for people who are hypocrites, the scribes and the Pharisees. That shows you how God really hates seeing how, how big our gaps are. And the Lord says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. A big gap. To approximate it to you, imagine it happen in a relationship. Imagine a father and son relationship before we leave that point. Imagine a father living with a son, and the son comes in the morning, I trust you, I love you, I'll obey you, I believe you are everything in my life. And once he leaves home, he behaves completely the opposite. He does the opposite. He disobeys God, he does, his father does everything the opposite way. Having a gap between his behavior and his beliefs. How would the father feel? You tell me. I would like us to see it from the other person's perspective. How would the father feel? Betrayed. Betrayed. Very good word. Very good word. Betrayed. Why am I asking these questions? Because I would like you to see that having such gaps might seem easy, it's a gap in my life, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, it's more than that. The impact on the other person is huge. As you rightly said, sorry, did you catch your name? Mina. Mina. Mina said, sense of betrayal to the father. Again, if we apply that to husband and wife, same thing. I love you, you're everything, and I do whatever you say, we have a lovely relationship, but he goes and does the opposite completely, or she goes and does the opposite completely, disobeying, does her own thing. Again, same sense, unfaithfulness. Why am I saying this? Because I want you to see how the other person will perceive this. When we do this in our life, we think, yes, we have gaps. What does it feel like in God? Who are these people? The question is, what are the consequences? Can you guess? Who is the one on the right? Joseph. Joseph, yes, it's Joseph. And what did he do? He followed the principles that he had, he followed his beliefs in the absence of anyone around to check on him. So his behavior matched his beliefs. 
That's a, an amazing example of someone that his behavior matched his beliefs. And what was the outcome? He became the second man in all Egypt. And he is mentioned in so many chapters in the Bible. I want you to remember that. When your behavior matches your belief, something strong will happen in your life, like Joseph. The impact is great. It's not simple. It's not just having a nice life. It's more than that. Look at Joseph and what happened to him. Who's the other guy? Samson, yes. Samson, he did the opposite. He believed in the Lord of Israel, but his behavior with Delilah was the opposite. He behaved according to his own lust. There was a gap. And he ended up losing a lot. The loss was a lot. What am I trying to say here? Is that the consequence of having a gap, and the consequence of not having a gap, they are big. They are big. Shall we move on? Put up your hand if you're following. Okay? Again, what's the consequence of having a gap? Uh, sorry, not, of not having a gap. If I bridge that gap, if my heart is upright, I do whatever I believe in. I'll skip through the wise men, the Proverbs and Psalms. I'm not going to read all the verses, but I want you just to get the sense of it. Of what the Lord says about a man who is upright, i.e. his behaviors match his principles. Let's go through them quickly. The upright will see God's face. The upright in heart will follow God's judgment. There is joy on the upright in heart. Obviously, because if your heart is matching your mind, and your behavior is matching your principles and, and, behavior, and beliefs, then you'll be very joyous. Not just that. Your generation will be blessed. Your kids will be blessed. A lot of times we think, well, what should I do? What inheritance should I give my kids? Money? Or a flat in London? Or a big car? Or position? Or a rank? What's the best thing I can give? Let me tell you something. The Lord is very clear. If you are upright in your heart, if you don't have a gap, if your works match your principles, your generation will be blessed. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. You'll have light even if everyone is living in darkness. The upright shall dwell in your presence. You'll be dwelling in the Lord's presence. The Lord will store up wisdom for the upright. And He'll be His shield. That's another important question. I was at work um, a few weeks ago. And then we have one person at work who... Um, is using work for personal issues. So, needing a lift, would use a work car, needing a few things from work, would use the work's possessions. So I was sitting with a team, and I was saying, well, listen, this is unacceptable. We need to sort out something. I mean, this is really going quite, quite far, really. We need to do something about it. And then I hear my colleague saying, come on, let's not be so harsh on this person. We've all done it. I'm thinking, we've all done it? We've all done this? Is that your wisdom? Is that how to get the earthly wisdom? That we've all done it, but his wisdom was, we've all done it, but we've managed to do it properly. She's not doing it properly. I disagree. I disagree. This is not the principle. If we don't do it, we'll be wiser. Because the Lord says, He stores up wisdom for the upright in heart. 
And his secret counsel is with the upright. So he gives you his secrets. Isn't that amazing? The integrity of the upright will guide them. You will be guided. You will not be left alone. One question that I had in mind a lot of the time. When we leave church and we go to work or to our friends or family, it's very hard to find a, a, sort of a, a leg to stand. I want to know clearly what my principles are so I don't get mixed up. And I found that quite a struggle. You need to really know the Word of God so you're clear about your boundaries and your yeses and noes. But once you do that, you're very clear. But what I found here is that if you really want to do this, your integrity will guide you. The Lord will not leave you without guidance. I'll just skip these because we've gone through them. Again, the upright will flourish. The prayer of the upright is his delight to the Lord. So these verses tell us about the blessings that the upright, upright in heart will have. Shadi. Who knows these people? Who is the one on the right hand? His father Bishoi Kamel from Alexandria in Egypt. I'll tell you one story about him that shows how he followed his faith, his beliefs, and, and didn't behave in any other way. This, this uh, lovely priest was sitting in a church council and they wanted to do some changes in the service and some changes in the buildings of the church, the very beginning of the church in Alexandria. And he disagreed with their opinion, the rest of the priests and the committee. He disagreed, but they insisted. He kind of thought I was right, really. But he decided to put love above the right decision. And he decided, all right, my principle is love, my, be my belief is love, I'm going to follow love. And he followed that decision, although he didn't um, feel it was the right decision. He was a big saint. Everyone followed him. That church is built upon his name and his work. God glorifies him just because of one incident. I'm saying one, obviously, the many, but that shows you the moment you decide to bridge the gap that happens in your life. Miracles. Like the other um, saint is Saint Simon the Tanner. Again, when he followed God, followed the word, and his behavior matched his beliefs, he's a saint. And he managed to move the mountain. Okay, moving on. Why do I have a gap in my life? Why would I have a gap in my life? What creates a gap? Again, I will leave that question, because Basim will talk about that in his talk as well, tomorrow. But I'm giving you an introduction. You still following? Put up your hand if you are a bit sleepy. Tricky one. Why do I have a gap? Well, as I say, we'll explore some reasons as we go on the conference. But what I want you to remember is this. I live this life clearly not the way I believe is right. I'll say it again. Let me say it again. I have a gap because I live this life in a way that is not really matching what I think and believe is right. My behavior doesn't match my belief. Making sense? life the way I feel. I follow my feelings. That's why there is a gap. I don't follow my belief system. I follow my emotions. I actually have a gap because I live this life the way I feel more comfortable. I live this life the way I like. 
My principle in life, yes, if you ask my mind, they will tell you intellectually, no, you live this life according to uh, the word of God. But my behavior says the opposite. It says, I live this life the way I like or the way I enjoy. I live this life the way I am liked. So what motivates me, what leads my behavior is not my belief, it's not my faith. It's actually the time when I feel I'm more liked or more accepted, especially if I have low self-esteem. So when I find a place where I'm more accepted, that's what drives my behavior, not my belief, man. Is it making sense? Shall I move on or have I lost it, some of you? Basim, shall I carry on? I live this life the way I am noticed. So yes, 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 yes. I believe that the Lord has given us the glory. He is my Father. I am rich in Him. But you know what? If I find a chance where I am more noticed, even if it's not according to my faith, I'll follow that. Because my life principle is, go for what makes you more respected, or more noticed, or more encouraged, or admired. I live the life the way I learned. So yes, I have my own belief system somewhere, but my life reflects, or my behavior reflects, this is how I learned from parents, from church, from models, so on and so forth. And last one, I live the life not according to my belief system, but the safest way. I'm up for the safest. I don't want to take risks. Although this contradicts my faith, but I would like to do it that way. So the Word of God might be actually telling me to take a bit of risk here. Like at work someone says something and tells you something wrong. You're taking a risk if I just not laugh and decide no, this is not nice. And in my mind I'm not going to laugh at this. No, this is taking a risk. Let's play it safe. Hey, this is a gap. That creates a gap. Because your behavior was based on the safest option, not the belief. Is it making sense? And last, what makes me more secure? Same thing. How can we spot a gap? Let me go back a bit. If you're driving and there's a car behind you, how can you see it? What do you do to see the car behind you? One thing, check in the mirror. You're right. So you need a mirror. You need someone to show you that you have a blind spot, that there is a gap in your life. What else? What if you don't have a mirror? In the third world country, not all cars in Egypt, where I come from, obviously not all cars have mirrors. Even not all cars have wheels. Don't ask me how, but uh, it exists. And they work. Alright. Even without engines. Don't ask me how. So tell me, if I don't have a mirror, what do I do? I turn around. So I turn around. What does turning around mean or symbolize? I actually need to have a look that is different from what I'm seeing. I need to step back a bit and look at what's happening. Like David. Nathan, when he went to the King David, he stepped back and told him a story from afar. And when he saw it, he was like, that's not my principle. So when you step back from your life, you see it more clearly. Another question that could help you spot a gap, I'm going to skim through that quickly. When no one can see you, what do you do? If no one can see you, you have your own time in front of your laptop, at home, no scrutiny at all, at all. No one can get you. What do you do? I can show you. Do you have a gap in what you do and what you believe in when you are with people? 
What do you do under pressure? When it's tension, what do you tend to do? Do you follow your principles, your beliefs, or do you tend not to? And as I said, there's the art of stepping back. Do you do that when you have a quiet time? Do you step back and look at your life, where I am, what I should be? Am I doing what I should be doing? Is that what I believe in? Do you do that? If you don't, then you're actually immersed in your life and you, don't, you can't see the mirror. You can't see what's behind. You need to step back a bit, look at the whole scene. What's going on in my life here? Accepting correction? Do you accept correction from people? Do you review your life principles at all? Or you just inherited them and that's it? And last one, it's not just about techniques to spot a gap. There is the Word of God, which the Bible says about it, that it's actually sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is very sharp and it can go to the division of the soul and the spirit. I.e. it goes to the deepest, deepest part of you and it will discern to you, it will tell you whether you have a gap or not. Hang on a second. The Word of God shouldn't be in your hand. Because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So the Spirit uses the Word of God. And my last take on this, when the Holy Spirit convicts you and uses the Word of God and pokes you, don't. Don't defend yourself, otherwise you'll miss the gap. Don't try to cover up. Well, I haven't got a gap really, I haven't got a problem really. If the Spirit pokes you using the Word, don't cover up. Open up. Don't try to patch the gap. Don't try to put patches. It doesn't work. The Lord explained it very beautifully when he talked about the new garment and the old garment. A patch will not work. Don't try to patch it with other works. Don't say, well, but I go to church and I have communion, then that, that should really compensate or patch the gap I have. Doesn't work. So if the Spirit pokes you, don't do this. And don't lose hope, because the Spirit is reminding you because He wants to save you, not to condemn you. He's on your side. And don't run away from the Spirit when He shows you that you have actually a gap. And don't forget that when you are in the Spirit, with the Spirit, actually it is God who will help you, will and do. So He is the one who can bridge the gap in you. Because He can give you the will and the faith and the doing. So again, summary, when the Spirit pokes you, don't defend yourself. Don't be threatened, don't cover up, don't patch the gap. Don't lose hope, don't run away, don't forget that He is there to help you do it and will to do it. Hands up if it's making sense. Okay. What's next? Alright, now, hang on a second. You told me, what is a gap between belief and behavior? You told us, examples of that, you told us how hard it can be, and the consequences, and you told us some brief, or a brief slide on how to spot a gap. Next question, what's next? I'm coming to the end of my talk, so don't worry. What's next? Let's not go into the resolution, because that will be covered in the rest of the talks. I don't want to waste a lot of time, but there are resolutions to that. We'll talk about that in more depth. But before we do that, let's learn from Daniel in the Bible. Daniel is one of the prophets who had a vision where the Lord showed him 
what will happen to Jerusalem because they have a gap between what they should be believing in and what they are actually living and he saw the destruction of Jerusalem so he said in Daniel 9 I Daniel understood the desolations of Jerusalem the Lord showed him the consequence of a gap for Jerusalem he saw the destruction of Jerusalem so let's see what he did so we can copy him what did he do? I, Daniel, I set my face toward the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. First thing, when you suppose something is not right, the Lord is telling me there is a gap, you're not really behaving according to your faith here, mate. It's prayer. It's confession. I need to confess before the Lord that this is my way. You are right, Lord. You need to, um, what's the word, you need to adopt it. You need to feel responsible for the gap. Yes, it is my fault. And he prayed, not just for himself, but for the whole nation. So, before we talk about the conference, because this is an introduction to what we'll cover in the conference, I'll just show you the prayer of Daniel. And if I'm born, it's okay. I was thinking we should actually pray together so we can start the conference asking God to show us the gap, but also to forgive us because we've allowed a lot of gaps in our lives between what we believe in, in Christ and the Lord and the, and the Spirit, and the way we live. Is that okay? After the, the lunch, lunch, supper. So again, I'll show you quickly the prayer. I prayed and said, Lord, the great awesome God, who keeps the covenant of love, we have sinned and done wrong. There's no covering here. Let's, be, let's play clean. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. Look how, how clear Kai is. He doesn't really go sort of wishy-washy about it, two ways about it. It's very clear. Let's put things into perspective here. Lord, you are righteous. Have you seen the move? So this is what we've done, but we know you are righteous. And this day you are covered with shame because of our unfaithfulness to you, but you are merciful. This is a great lesson in prayer and confession. Even though we have rebelled against him, now our God will hear our prayers. And then he goes saying, for, the, for your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear and hear. Open your eyes and see. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. A great lesson in how we can pray when the Spirit tells us about a distance between what we believe in and how we live. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Clear? I'll probably stop here and give you a bit of a summary about what we'll cover then in the conference. First thing in the conference, we'll carry on with examples of gaps. So tomorrow morning, we'll cover one common foundational belief that we have. It's our belief in the Trinity in the creed, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is our belief in the Trinity? What is actually uh, our belief? 
What is it that we repeat all the time? And once we cover this lack of knowledge as much as possible, obviously, we look at the gap. If this is what we believe in, is this the life that we are living? Does my life reflect that I believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? And that will also be covered in the workshop. And then the next talk, tomorrow again, following the first workshop, we will look at the Trinity as our model. How the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit are actually relating to each other. If this is my icon, does my life reflect that? Does the way I relate to myself, to other people, reflect this? Do I live in that unity? So again, it will show us whether we or we don't have a gap between the way we believe in the Trinity and our behavior. Following? That will be followed by the workshop. Again, we'll focus on another gap from the creed, which is, are we eternal or earthly? Do we live for this life or the life to come? And if my beliefs are that I should be living eternally, then does my behavior reflect that? And if it doesn't, what if it does? What if I can manage to have my behavior reflecting that I actually live for the life to come? What would change? What would change in my life? So that would be our workshop. Second workshop. And then we'll split the two talks, one on Saturday evening after dinner, on some reasons and solutions. Is it my belief system? So Basim will lead us in thinking, again, why do I have a gap? Is there something wrong with my belief system? And if so, how to resolve that? And then on Sunday morning, we'll talk about other reasons. Is there anything else that pulls me to behave in a way that doesn't match my principles? And if this is the case, what should I do? So that'll be Sunday morning. And then off you uh, go back to your basis. So, thank you. Any uh, questions?